Hello and welcome to the Offline Gamer, episode 12. I'm Raykachu. And I'm Matt Chop. <laughs> As you can tell, we might have been playing a bit of Pokemon. Yep, which we'll be talking about a little bit in a few seconds. Yeah, we're currently sitting... Um, oh, hello, there's a train going past. We're currently sitting outdoors, in case you can't tell by the background noise. Yep, we are sitting outdoors in the stand at the Bromsgrove Rugby Football Club. Yep. While we are taking a break from the great indoors to record for our lovely listeners. Yeah, we're only here because there's no wind. Yeah. Or less wind. Because we just tried to do it outside on some benches and all you could hear was... Yeah. Somewhere. Even though it's like the gentlest of summer breezes. Yeah. I think I need to reality. get like a, a wind gaff for my microphone yeah. for the next time we do yeah. an outdoors thing. So yeah, we're in Bromsgrove. Um, we got our tickets for the Great, great Indoors. Um, yeah. An event run by Pete, a friend of ours. And uh, yeah, it's going so well. There's quite a few people here. We're all playing games. Yeah. We just spent two hours playing Stone Age. It wasn't quite two hours, was it? We started about half eleven and we finished about half oh, one. It was two hours then, okay. So it was two hours. I didn't realise, do you know what, I didn't realise what time it was. Yeah, it's already uh, two o'clock, so yeah. we've already been here three hours. Nearly three hours, yeah? Yeah. Wow, okay. And we've only got through one game and there's plenty more to play. There is. You've got a list of mile long, haven't you? Things you want yeah. to play. Not to mention we've got to go play testing to get some more chits to see if we can win, win games. Win some stuff, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, we... Uh, we're here. So what's been going on since our last episode? Well, this is episode 12. Yeah. So next month will be our one year anniversary. Woohoo! Who'd have thought it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I was pleased we got to like three months. Yeah. But uh, So we've been putting some videos up. So that's the, the latest development on us. Yeah. So if you've been following us on Twitter or you look at our website, you'll see that there have been a bunch of uh, unboxing Unbox. videos. Uh, for, for some of our Kickstarters. Um, Mostly Matt, because he's obviously got loads coming in at the moment. Yeah, I have. I've had quite a few, so which we'll talk about later. So when we're talking about these games, if you want to know what they look like and what the components look like, just uh, just go to our website and you can watch the YouTube videos on there. Woo-hoo. That's offlinegamer.co.uk, if you didn't know. But you should do. So yeah, what we've been up to. We've been playing Pokemon Go. Yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, one of the benefits of working at university means that we're on a university campus, which means there are a lot of Pokestops. Yep, and a lot of students who put lures, put on lures up yeah. and sit there for hours on end just putting lures up in their little groups. Yeah, we got Pikachus yesterday because we didn't get them at the start. I've now, I've now got it. all four of the starters. Oh, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, Charmander and Pikachu. Yes. I think I'm missing a Charmander. I picked him. As my oh, okay. starter. And then I've hatched two Bulbasaurs, caught one Squirtle, and now caught a Pikachu. Um, we also played a bit of Doom. Yeah. We did some Snap Maps. So for those who don't know, Snap Maps is like the community mapping tool. You can create your own maps with the Snap Map editor. And then they just automatically get uploaded to Bethesda's servers. And then people can just click on them to download and play them automatically mm-hmm. within the game. So we played a few of those. Some of them are really, really weird. Yeah. And there's a lot of them which are like, oh, you can get all these snap map points because there's like achievements and things. So I play this map and you'll get all these points because there'll be a room with a BFG and lots of enemies you can kill and you'll get tons yeah. of points straight away. But there's quite a few good single player adventures and there's a couple of good co op ones we played as well. Yeah. Um, and they've just put out a new update um, as of yesterday, mm-hmm. which adds a lot of new features to snap maps. So we'll, we'll be giving that a try. And um, it's good. I mean, there's, there's also the online multiplayer, which I haven't played. 
like deathmatch and yeah. they've added capture the flag to that as well. So, and we're also now officially Kickstarter super backers Woo-hoo. because we spend a lot of money on there. Yeah, and we've both got emails saying congratulations, you're now a super backer. This will mean stuff in the future. Yeah, at the moment, all it means is that if you go to our profile, you'll see a superbacker badge. Next to our name. Yeah. yeah. It's apparently going to possibly mean invitations to events. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like launch events and things. Yeah. But I'm sort of rather cynical and expecting a lot of that to be in the US. Probably. Or Or London. Or London. Yeah. So Kickstarter. Kickstarter? Kickstarter. Make sure you come to Birmingham. Yeah. UK, not Alabama. Yes. So for me specifically, I had a couple of weeks off work, so that involved me going to the F1. Mm. And then uh, I got a chance to finish Life is Strange. So I think I'd played up to episode two mm. last time. So I did. I finished that and did three, four, and five. And uh, I was quite emotional. See, I bought episode one in the Steam sale, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah. No, it's because um, you've got the whole thing about you've been able to like go back and change the last 30 seconds or whatever but later on um, there are some points where you actually go back in time quite a lot further than that mm. and if you change something there's like an alternative reality and some things change yeah which I'm not going to spoil no but there are some things that uh, like there's a character who you know is dead and you go back in time and save that character but then that means something else happens and then mm. it's it's oh it's oh it's upsetting yeah but it's good storytelling yeah and the ending is pretty good I will have to make time for it yeah, uh, I downloaded Fallout Shelter onto my iPad, uh, played it for a day, and then decided, actually, you know what, I'm not even going to continue with this. Yeah, I got quite bored with it quite quickly. It's not the boredom factor, it's just the, it's just the whole thing about it being one of those games where you can do something and it takes some time. Mm. Or if you want to pay some money, you can do it right now. Yeah, it's like, no. or if you wanted to not get utterly destroyed by raiders yeah. and deathclaws, you could pay money and buy weapons. Otherwise, you can get utterly destroyed by Deathclaws and Raiders because all you've got is, like, a can opener or yeah. something. I mean, there's a lot of that type of game around. It seems to be the way the mobile industry is going because, obviously, mm. they must make a, a shed ton of money from um, microtransactions. Yeah. People buying boosts and things like that. And I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's not, it's not really gaming. Do you know mm. what I mean? No. There's not really much, like, involvement. No. What's that? What on earth was that? It's part of your pen. Part of my pen just fell off in Ray's drink. Lovely. So now you've got a nice wet pen. Lovely. I'm going to hope that hasn't poisoned me. <laughs> so yeah, Fallout Shelter I've, I've uninstalled. I mean, I know a friend of mine, Nick, because he'll be listening to this now, because he does. He says that um, my voice is, is weird when he's listening to it at work. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> So I, I, he played Fallout Shelter for a while. I don't know if he still does, but he was the what. It was sort of me watching him play. It was sort of what convinced me to get it. Yeah. And then, but I just don't want to get involved in that whole, uh, you know, having to check your thing every three or four times a day to see if tasks mm-hmm. are complete and stuff like that. Because it's, it's too much like a job. Yeah, and also because it took up a huge amount of space on my device. Okay. And I was like, mm, it's getting kind of old. It's a two-year-old phone, so. It's actually nearly two and a half. No, it's two years old. So uh, you've got an iPad now. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to waste the battery on that playing Fallout. Fair enough. Uh, I then did another game which uh, is called Warp Shift, which is quite cool. Um, is it, it Trek related? No, it's nothing to do with Trek. You'd think with the with the word warp in mm. it, it would be, but it's nothing to do with Trek. Nothing to do with space at all. Um, 
basically you're like this little character and there are like these cubes that have got like holes in the sides of them mm. that, and you can only go up through a hole and you have to like rearrange them so that your character can go through the holes to get to the exit and then you're sort of like flying in sort of zero gravity I guess that's where the Ah. hole so you move these boxes around and get your character from from A to B so it's quite a good little casual puzzle game yeah Um, I'd definitely recommend that cool so that's pretty much because I was off work most of the rest of it was just sleeping and watching TV yeah so that's what I've been doing what about you? work and uh the Steam sale, which was just after our last recording. So I've got Don't Starve and the DLC. So I've played a bit of Don't Starve. I've played a bit of it with the Shipwrecked expansion. I, I haven't really got much further than I think it's 11 days, I think is the longest I've survived in Don't Starve. And then I started getting murdered by random dogs that appeared. <laughs> okay. And I was like, okay, fine. And I didn't have anything to kill them with, so webs um i also got the swapper which i played a little bit of and got frustrated on one of the puzzles i don't know what the swapper is the swapper is like well you're on mars you're on a mars station and a bunch of stuff mysteriously happens and then you're like the it's like a mine you're in a mining company and you are on a ship that's orbiting mars and then you get ejected in a pod back down to mars where the mining is going on right and then you have to make your way back to the ship, I think. And to do so, you need to find special, like... I can't remember what they're actually called, but, like, power packs to power a big teleporter. Okay. And you have to do that by solving puzzles with what is essentially a clone gun. So you can shoot three clones of yourself out. So there's four of you, and then you can swap between which one you're controlling right. to try and solve puzzles and get around obstacles and stuff like that. And I got stuck on one puzzle because I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do and I went away and read up on it. Well, I haven't gone back to, to finish the puzzle. Um, but it's quite fun. It's got pretty good music, as has Don't Starve. Um, and then I got Boyd, which is something that I talked about possibly in one of our really early I episodes. I think you did, yeah. Because we saw it at... EGX. You did. Last year, I did. And as soon as I bought it, just after that Steam sale, it's now free to play multiplayer, but you have to pay to get the single player. Okay. So I paid, so I've got both. Um, I haven't played it yet. I also got Tales from the Borderlands, which I haven't started yet. Audio Surf 2, which I've played a couple of songs on, and it's just as bizarre as the yeah, first Yeah, I one. never played Audio Surf. It never really appealed to me that much, to be honest. That's because you mostly listen to instrumental music. True. So it wouldn't really work very well. And the, uh, as I said, I got Life is Strange episode one. So other than that, I've just been... I've been to a couple of like foodie festivals. There seems to be one every weekend at the moment. And lots of Pokemon Go. Lots of going out and walking, playing Pokemon Go. And driving around to different places to see what we can find. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it, apart from... You know, work, work. Mm-hmm. So, should we go for Kickstarter Corner? Let's go for Kickstarter Corner. Uh, should we go backed first or arrived? Let's go for backed. Let's tell everyone okay. what we've been spending our money on. Backed. I and you. Yep. We have both backed Gloom Digital. It's a delightfully, delightfully miserable PC card game. Yeah, no, most people should know Gloom, I thought. It's been out for a while. Yeah. Ten years, I think. Yeah. Um, 
you've got family, you have to make them miserable and then kill them. Yep. And this is just a digital version of that. And the characters all talk. So yeah. I'm interested to... I, I mean, I, I didn't quite get this from the videos of the campaign. Mm. It's like, do they react to the cards that you play on them? Because the whole point of Gloom is the storytelling aspect of it. Yeah. So does that, does that come out in the digital version? Hopefully. Because you can play it single player versus AI, or you can play it obviously multiplayer. It's not made by the same people who made the card game, but it's approved by them. Yeah. So, um, it looks very faithful yeah. reproduction. Yeah, it looks pretty good. And and the expansions are there as well. Yeah. I think we get one of the. Do we get one of the expansions for backing the Kickstarter, or we get something extra? Yeah, I think you get something. You get a special Kickstarter, something or other. Okay. I can't remember what it was. Um, so then I've also backed Martians, A Story of Civilization, which I backed very last minute, just before it finished. And it's like a game based on Mars, where you've got to survive. Board game or computer? I think game? it's a board game. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a board game, because I backed a couple of computer games this this time, including uh, Femida, a non-linear indie game about justice. Oh. So you get to be play a judge. So it's it kind of felt a is bit like... Is it a like, female judge? I don't know. It might be. Because femi, Femida? I'm Maybe. just wondering. Um, it kind of seemed a bit like... Um, I forgot what it's called now. Papers, please. Oh, yes. As in you are judging somebody based on the information you're given. Mm -hmm. But you're an actual judge, so that's kind of your job. Uh, grave Danger which is a 2D puzzle side-scroller where you're all sort of like half-dead, half-alive characters and you have you have three like characters that you're controlling at any one time mm -hmm. and you pick which one you want to be at any one point. So there's like a skeleton reaper chap who's got a scythe, there's like a cowboy who's got some guns, and then I think it's like a mage type character who like shoots fireballs and stuff. So depending on what puzzle you're trying to solve, depends on which one you, you yeah. which skills you want to use. And then Poisoner's Paw, um, which I think is just funded, and they've got a couple of stretch goals, um, which is a little card game where you're trying to. Inevitably, you will get poisoned, but you want to be the least poisoned. Okay. So you want everybody else to die first, basically. And I think that's all I've backed. Yeah, I've only I've not backed a lot this month actually. Only three games, which is unusual. That's one. That's less than one a week. Yeah. Normally, I'm at least one a week. I know you, so. you've, you've backed four because you backed Gloom as well. Oh, Gloom. Yeah. Okay, so it is one a week then. Yeah. Uh, so um, Fugitive, which is a two-player. Um, card game and but each player has it like a slightly different game that they're playing mm. in that as the fugitive you have to play cards to try and escape yeah and as the marshal you have to try and deduce what cards the fugitive has played so you can catch them that's mm -hmm. the simplest way i can think of to explain it there's, there's a couple of videos on their on their kickstarter page which explain it a lot better because obviously you can see the, mm. the components but the fugitive you have like uh you can play cards that are within a certain number of another one to, to progress to the exit. Yeah. But then also you can play hideout cards and sprint cards which make you move faster. 
and as I say for the other player it's a logic puzzle in that you get little bits of information and then you can try and deduce what cards the fugitive has got in front of them and then you can yeah. catch them if you can if you can do that okay um, Death Wish I backed which is a party game you were considering this at one point weren't you yeah but I didn't have any money yeah. at the time that it finished. But it's like a comedy party game where there are diseases and then you have to um, die, basically. Yes. And you get symptoms and you have to get the symptoms that match the colour of the disease you've got. And, um, yeah, the, the winner, I guess, is the first person to die. Yeah, I think but so. It's a, but it's just a comedy party game. Nothing too deep. And Nerdy Inventions, which is a, a sort of dice um, and card game where you have to make inventions. And you get points. That's that. So that's what we've backed, as I say, quite a short segment. But what we've had arrive, we've had a few things arrive, not many, but a few. Yeah. All of which you can see on YouTube. So here we go, we'll talk about them. So you had no fish? Yep. I had no fish, which um, is basically, I went into a, a little bit on the on the video, but um, basically it's a, it's a small game. It's kind of like a twist on sort of like go fish and it reminded me of hanabi or hanabi or however you pronounce it the fireworks game yeah because everybody's holding their selection of cards but they're holding them outwards so you don't actually know what fish you've got and you have to be able to get rid of your fish into the center pile so that you end up with no fish um but if you guess the card that you're trying to play wrong then you have to take cards from the middle instead so you end up with more and then you've got special fish that modify and you can do actions and stuff like that mm. um, and I thought because there was a really like it was a small game I think it's just made by a couple of friends in Australia the card the card quality is really good so they, they didn't have a very high overall goal Yeah, but then they hit quite a few of their stretch goals so they upgraded the card stock I think twice um, so now it's got a nice nice finish and it's nice and they're nice and sturdy and it's a very small little game there's only like one set of cards no extra bits and bobs so it's it's nice and portable and playable anywhere providing you've got a table or a flat surface to throw stuff on yeah uh, we both got Dark Dealings, yep. which is the one where you are uh, an evil lord in a castle yep. trying to protect yourself against all the villagers and the heroes coming to kill you. Yep. Uh, we haven't played it yet, but the inside components look really nice. They do, yeah. And the cards are good quality as well. In fact, I, I think all of the arrivals this month, the card quality has been exceptional mm. um, from what I've seen so far. So yeah, I can't really say much about much about dot dealings until we've played it. It it was one of the ones that we have been waiting for for quite a quite while. Quite a while, yeah, and it came I think not the, before last. Yeah, it's not the longest. No, we still wait for Grimsling as an addictive alchemy, aren't yes. we? Yes. Though addictive alchemy is really getting getting really very close. Late. Yeah, it's getting close to Yeah, but so is Grimsling. Oh yeah, that's true. But then, then again, able, they're both quite late. Yeah, I'll, we'll finally be able to tick them off our um lists because Kickstarter gives you a list of everything you've backed so you can tick things off when they arrive yeah and I think we backed those well over a year ago um, March I think it would have been March last April year. last year yeah well Grimslingers was my first one and then Addictive Alchemy was my second one yeah my first one was Exploding Kittens I think they were that your second and third um, I think Grimslingers was my or 
Grimslingers might have been the second, and then Addictive Alchemy is like fourth or fifth, okay. maybe. Because I I went on a one dollar binge trying to get the the pie. Yeah. All the colours in the pie. Flag dash. Flag dash. Really can't wait to play this. I we got a nice um, comment from the designer Kirk on his uh, on our on our. Uh, website video and the video page. yeah you put a comment on the back saying thanks for your very enthusiastic unboxing I'm like yeah I am very enthusiastic can't wait to play it because mm-hmm. the little meeples have got little holes in the top that you put the flag in it's so good I know and the meeples are really nice quality as well and they're all custom custom made so you've got mm. six different ones uh, for the different characters in the game yeah they're all different characters they're not just standard yeah. meeples no so go and have a look at the video because then you can see what we're talking about yeah I think we're pushing this video thing quite heavily. <laughs> well, we've we've got five videos up. Yeah. You went a bit mad because you've done four of those five videos. Yeah, but they all, all those four games all arrived like really quickly within each. Yeah. So I don't I don't even think I've got anything coming next month that's uh, games. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I've got anything on the way. I, I think I might I might have some some like kitchen towels that have cute little anime. Figures yeah, we're not on. doing unboxing videos of those. Yeah. Well, you can if you want. You can put well, it I could put YouTube it. Channel. I could put it on. I could put it underneath the game as like a map. No, you could do. Instead of looking at the rubbish desk that I've got that's knackered and old. Yeah. Moving on. Um, Burger up came. More food. More food games. Yay! Yay. Can't wait. This actually looks like good fun because you're just building a burger. Yeah, and uh, it came with the Burgers of the World expansion, which gives you a few extra ingredients and a few extra mm. burgers to create. It also came with a nice little coaster, which a is coaster? designed. Yeah, a coaster designed the same as the card backs. Oh, so there's okay. a burger up coaster, oh, okay. which is nice. So that can go on my desk and hold my bottles of water, mm-hmm. or have my bottles of water on it. And also, um, a poster was in there on the back, a list of all the backers' names. So mm. I'm on the poster. And also in the box, as well as the rules, they, there's an alternative rules book, but all of the alternative rules are, are based on other games. Oh, so okay. there is a Hanabi version, which is, I think, just called Hana, Hama, Hamabi or something. I yeah. don't know. Hamburger or Hanabi. And uh, there's one based on Sushi Go. Mm. So you can play all these other games with the Burger Up stuff. stuff and yeah. with a slight twist as well. Yeah. So you've got not, there's, like, there's like eight or nine games in that one box. Awesome. So that's really good. And again, the card quality is outstanding. And they're all square cards as well. They're not, they're not usual size, yeah. like um, Poker Dimensions type cards. And uh, yeah, you just put ingredients one on top of the other and create the loveliest burger you can. Yeah, I've just remembered that in No Fish it comes with a little book oh, okay. that has a list of the backers. Oh, yes. And of course, a list of all of our puns that we all submitted. Yeah. And there is something very rewarding about seeing your name. Oh, absolutely. Even if it's just on a tiny, on like, the rule book of a game that pretty much the only people who are going to see it might just be the Kickstarter people. Yeah. But at least they all know. They all know. Yeah. Every one of them has gone, I'm on there. Yeah. There are all these other people that I don't know. But um, I've got a couple of things that are, that have started asking, like, like more so this year than, say, last year. A lot more people or campaigns are offering to put your name or nickname yeah. on something in your in the game even if it's just on the website yeah and like for an extra like two pound or something sometimes yeah. or sometimes it's like a completely different you know pledge level like yeah. double the price for 
Your name yeah. engraved on a card or something. Yeah. Well, there's 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 the silly ones that are like, we'll make a character based on a picture of you for three hundred quid. Well, and I'm a, like, nah. There's a game called on there at the moment called Creative Differences, which uh, when we on our when I was on our way to pick when I was on my way to pick you up this morning, I was listening to a podcast uh, and they were talking about that, and it's like a game based on you remember Gotti, the one I backed ages ago that was based around creating computer games yeah. same sort of thing but it's like £12 for the game or you can pay £25 and get a custom card with you in oh, yeah. so I'm tempted to back that as well I haven't added that on my ones to watch because I only heard about it this, this morning way. but I'm quite tempted by that yeah cool anyway uh, and last up uh, The Networks came a few days ago which if you remember was a game I didn't back originally but I bought or pre-ordered at UKG, UKG. when we met the creator because I just love the look of it. It's got tons of stuff in there. Yeah. Lots of little markers, lots of cards, lots of player boards. Yeah. So tons of components. I think we'll have to get it out yeah. today. Because it seems like the right sort of crowd. It for, does, yeah. I think there'll be people playing that. Excessive components. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what we've had. So, we've got a list of ones to watch. Now, I've only got about three things on this list, but Ray's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, 20 something that's because I've starred a lot of stuff because I couldn't buy any of them I couldn't oh, back any of them true apart from like the one dollar pledge and in, in that case it's kind of like yeah but I still want stuff so I'll just keep my dollar okay or like 80p or whatever rubbish exchange it is now so let's start at the top I'll, I'll read the name out okay and you can tell me what you remember about it Yay. We do have an iPad here, so you can look up some information. Mm. So, first up, we've got Pray for the Gods. Pray spelt with an E. Yes, this is a computer game, which was causing quite a lot of interest. Uh, it was quite popular, funded very quickly. Uh, it's kind of... They describe themselves as being Shadow of the Colossus-esque, but the like the graphic style is really nice and you're sort of like a person in a wintry world and you've got to go around and kill like giant massive humongous baddies by like climbing up on them and strategically like climbing and I don't know punching them in the eye or something but like the it was fairly cheap just for just for like a DRM free version of the game and I I like I th- like the look of it because it's based in a, a snowy world, and you don't normally get a lot of proper full-length first-person games that yeah. are in snowy environments because I assume it's harder to code or whatever. Um, you're normally in like grasslands, desert lands, maybe jungles, but not so much snow. And I thought it was quite it, was, it looks quite pretty as well. I kind of think of one game off the top of my head that has a lot of snow in, and that's Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah, apart from the fact that that's... That's terrible, yeah. but other than that... There's a there's a short, very short bit in Dragon Age Inquisition where you are tracking oh, through yes. the mountains yeah, yeah. after the village gets destroyed, yeah. but that's a very, very tedious short. Yeah, and you're walking very slowly. Because you're walking super slowly because you're injured and it's a blizzard and you're in snow, and although it's very well done it's just a bit like come on just walk faster get to the castle hurry up hurry up hurry up but yeah okay drawing without dignity an adult party game this was it's one of those games where you all get like little tiny whiteboards so it's kind of like i don't know pictionary but 
naughty. Okay. So I could see it being amusing, just people essentially just drawing yeah. dicks. Surely not. Okay, Dreadball, the futuristic sports game. This was a Two, sorry. board game based... Now this, this reminds me a lot of Speedball, yeah. the old Amiga game. Yeah, see, I... It's kind of like... Um, it's like the idea of one of these dystopian future reality TV shows. Kind of like Running Man. Running Man, yeah. Um, but it's like a ball game. And I thought it looked quite interesting. Okay. Cantankerous Cats? It's a cat it's a game. It's a cat game, yeah. Um, Cantankerous Cats, it's got a slightly more parlour game type art. I'm surprised you haven't backed this already, to be honest. Yeah, I thought I probably had enough cat games. I don't know. Does, I mean, you think I've got enough food games? Well, you have slowed down a bit. Yeah. Um, Just because I haven't been that many on Kickstarter lately. You, did, you didn't back Bon Appetit. No, I didn't. Or the weird ice cream van one. Cantankerous Cats, I thought. It's it's kind of similar to some other stuff that I've got. And I'm not really that interested in like the parlour game type of art style. Okay. It's not, it's not bright and funky enough for me, I don't think. But other people might like it, so go have a look. Okay. I start the next one as well. Dwarves in Trouble. Yes. Can't remember much about it. Okay. Let's look this one up then. It's about dwarves who are in, in trouble. Because yeah. um, there, an, there was another game that was about dwarves. Luckily, we have 4G out here. Hooray! Dwarves in Trouble. Dynamic fun party game full of negative interaction. Run away from a furious dragon or die trying. That's the one. You're all running away from dragons. And I think you can, like, you can run your character away and, like, screw other people yeah. kind of thing. So there's a bit of take that involved. Yeah. And it, it came with coins, so... It does. There's quite a few coins. Yeah. And if... Yeah, yeah. You can get metal coins, which I, I thought was pretty good. Because uh, you could use those coins for other stuff as well. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, pretty good. Uh, Evil Dead 2, the board game. Now, this does not appeal to me in the slightest. It doesn't appeal to me either, but I thought because it's such, such a, a massive franchise. thing yeah. and it, like, funded in something stupid, like, two hours, that it might be something that other people out there might like to okay. have a look at. So if you're interested in that kind of thing... I'm, I'm guessing, it, is it kind of like a zombie side sort of thing? I have no idea. Okay. It might be based on Evil Dead 2, the film, or it, it is. might... It does say okay. that in there. So, yeah. yeah. So, it, I mean... I didn't. I didn't necessarily like the campaign purely because the the image was Evil Dead Two, the board game. You're welcome, and I'm like, well, that's a bit cocky. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. Lots of people like the Evil Dead films. I don't. I really can't be asked. Yeah, it looks like because there's different characters. Yeah. That character miniatures and things like that. Yeah. So, so yeah. other people might like it, but not one for us, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, thwarted a game of super villainy. Oh now dear. you're asking. No, you say that's the drawback. <sighs> this is the draw. I think this is. Oh, I had a look at this last night. This is. Yeah, um, this your, is the drawback of me starring it all two weeks ago. You're a supervillain. Yep. And uh, you have to destroy the superheroes. Basically, I can't spell thwarted, so that's not Thwart that's Thwart not helping. Thwarted. Yeah. Thwarted. That's right, isn't it? Maybe. There it is. Yeah, and I thought. Yeah. It's a take that style supervillain game. Your goal is to capture as many heroes as possible and score the most infamy points. Yeah. 
And the art looks fun. It does. It's very it's, cartoony. It's big it? and bold, and it's the right sort of art style for heroes and villains. Yeah. And I like I like the 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 swapperoo when the villain is the protagonist as opposed to the, the antagonist. Antagonist. Yeah. Um. What else is there? Near and far. Near and far. Which is the sequel slash expansion slash whatever to Above and Below. Which is kind of like a board game RPG, and you read oh, yes. through the book this, as you go. The one that comes with the book with the stories. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and it's funded pretty damn quickly as well. I haven't played Above and Below. Near and far, it looks really nice. The art style looks really nice. The components look really nice. So I might have a look at trying to play Above and Below beforehand. Yeah. But. I don't think I could back near and far at the moment purely because I haven't played Above and Below and while I could back it to get Above and Below and near and far that level would be quite a lot of money. That's a lot of money to spend on a game you're not sure you you'd Yeah. Like. I mean it's it's a sort of game that when we were talking to, to Kevin from Exploring Games a sort of game where it's like a gateway between normal board yeah. games and RPGs. Yeah. This is why I thought it looked like something to give a good go. And also because the art style looks great. Okay, Timber Tales is next. Timber Tales is kind of like you're all little animals, like little woodland animals. And it's a turn-based strategy game. Yeah. And you are, you form like an army of animals. Yeah. So it's like it's um, not Civilization. What's the other one? It maybe it's Civilization. I'm thinking of. Possibly, yeah. It's like a but it's but it but RTS it's, but turn-based. Yeah. And, so like, and you're all animals as opposed to like people. armies of yeah aliens and people yeah and things. so it's a bit like cuter maybe yeah Rooms- um, yeah I was gonna say unless it turns out all watership down in which case nope never seen watership down oh don't oh I suppose you're probably old enough not to be emotionally scarred probably by not it, yeah but you never know roots of Mali Oh, she's giving me that look again. The look of I don't know what it is. <laughs> Roots of Mali. Let's have a look. I think I can remember it vaguely. Competitive abstract strategy for two players. Yeah. It's not doing very well. But no. I thought I thought it looked kind of interesting as it was something different. Like, the art's quite nice. It's Swiss as well. And it's yeah. in Swiss francs, the campaign. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's, like, mostly a dice placement game. Oh, okay, yes. And you, it looks like fairly compact and there's not much that you need to carry around. Each player takes on the role of the forest tribe in the fight for the sole domination of the warlands. Yes. For tactical use and clever movement of your own army, you can outwit and defeat opposing creatures. First player to ten victory points wins. Yeah, it looks like quite a compact little little game. Yeah. Um... I've got 15 days left in there. Not just shy of halfway, so you never know. Yeah, they might get there. So go and have a look if you like something a bit different with dice, placing placing your dice as opposed to other stuff, whatever. Underworld Dungeon. It's a game about dungeons. And underworlds. Mm. 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 Maybe. Oh, oh! It's a pixel it's, art, two D, procedurally generated game. I, yeah. I, I watched this yesterday. I thought it looked quite good. Yeah, I thought um, I might not necessarily be convinced because some of the like pixely, faux, sixteen bit, eight bit, whatever modern games. I'm just like, 
could you maybe not make it with more pixels in? Yeah, I mean, in some games it's okay. I mean, Swords and Sorcery was a really good game, yeah. and it used that art style very well, but I think you're right, it's getting a bit overused. Yeah, because there's so many, and so many that are coming through Kickstarter. It looks like the kind of thing that when it hits, it will be quite popular Yeah. when it gets there. So some people might want to check it out, but I think it was... It looked pretty good, but... I might get this, because it looks like sort of like a gaunty tea type thing. Yeah. I wasn't entirely sure, because I'm not always... Like, sometimes the pixel art stuff just hurts my brain. Yeah. Uh, cat a pillar. Yeah. Is this another have, cat game? Yes. You have to make a really long cat. Okay. Because it's a cat a pillar. Oh. So do you... Is it like... Have you got like little cats... You've got you've got cats. Each card has a cat on it. Oh, okay. Um, but then you like oh yes, I see. Slide, slide the different bits into different positions. So you make as many middle bits of the cat as possible. Yeah. So it's basically making long cat is long. Yeah. With as many cards as you can. But also they have like each middle has got like two paws, so you have a cat with like twenty paws on. Yeah. So it's like a. So it is like caterpillar cat. It, it's a giant cat. That's yeah. a caterpillar. That was quite fun. Vampire Hunters. This one, I think, is like a, a big box campaign y thing with miniatures and stuff. But it looked like it would be something that people would like because it's massively overfunded already. Yeah, and it's nearly still, $200,000. It's still got quite a long way. Well, it's got 19 days left as of today. So. You basically skulk around trying to kill vampires. Oh, this does look like a zombie side sort of thing. Co-op, yeah. Co-op board game for one to four players. Yeah. Where you're in a area where there's lots of vampires and you have to go yeah. and kill them. And you can get miniatures and stuff. And it looked it looked quite good. And also I approve of games that do have one player variants. Mm. But again, possibly a bit out of my price range. Um, I'm not even gonna. What's this? A- Alif Bata Ark, Arabic alphabet. Yeah. That's a pack of cards by the looks of it. Yes, it is. It's a pack of cards with the Arabic alphabet on it. It's basically like a learning game. Okay. For teaching people the Arabic alphabet. And I thought that was quite good because you get quite a lot of like, learn Spanish, learn Chinese, learn Japanese. And I thought it was um, good okay. for have a bit of variety. So next up is Fate of the Elder Gods. Now, as soon as I saw the description for this, my eyes just glazed over because it said it's a Lovecraftian game. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's so many Lovecraftian games. I, I know, but at the same time, I thought some of our listeners might be Lovecraftian game-type peeps, and it has funded already. It so has. obviously there's enough people out there who think it's interesting, and it's still got 20 days left. So um, it's a board game. It's Lovecraftian something something Cthulhu that's pretty much all you need to know have a look at it if you want to Uh, if you don't fair enough yeah Uh, The Prophet is next which is a card game I I watched the video for this yesterday I'm quite tempted by this where you are a uh, like a historical figure who is trying to convince everyone about the end of the world and you've got to try and brainwash the other players yes yeah I thought that looked quite good uh, as well and the the characters are like um Charles Darwin and people mm. like that rather than like the traditional people you do imagine like prophets like the Pope or something yeah things like that or Tom Cruise yeah 
Uh, Omega 2 is next. Now, I'm, I mean, okay, you told me about this and I've got it on my watch list. I'm surprised you've put it on here. Why? I don't know. Other people might like it. They might do. I can't remember what it's about. I mean, it's just the little thing. The um, the little thing. The, oh, the PC, yes, the, the, the little, little tiny five dollar PC. Yeah, that's why I was surprised you put it on here. Well, I thought I thought it'd be interesting just in case anybody has any projects out there that they're working on. Yeah, it's like a five dollars Linux computer. Yeah. Um, Raspberry Pi type thing, but smaller. Yeah, and also all of the all of the um, extras do. Like they do function, they do fit yeah. in with the Raspberry Pi modules and stuff like that. Omega two, yeah. Yeah, I just thought there was possibly some crossover. Yeah. In our listener listenership. listenership. I, know, I know at least one person who would be interested in that. So. Yeah. So five dollar Linux computer. Yeah. Uh, Fallen Land. You're really struggling there, aren't you? Yeah. Fallen Land is a post-apocalyptic board game. Oh yeah. That's right up your street, isn't it? Yeah. You like post-apocalyptic apocalyptic things yeah and also because it's America that's fallen so that just amuses me more <laughs> it features sandbox style gameplay mm-hmm. strategy card building and role playing yeah so it's a it's a bit of everything it is it's got a nice big board of the US yeah $63 is the cheapest yeah that was the drawback and what's that with postage that's $24 plus. that's $87 for us yeah that's, that's the type of game where you just be like I'm going to wait till it comes out over here yeah if it does yeah but some other people might like it it's still got 36 days to go so go and have a look and uh, what's this course make a stunning fantasy RPG with Game Maker Studio yes it's not actually a game it's a course so you buy in uh, to this course which will be run on Udemy which is like an online learning platform oh yes and it's taught using Game Maker Studio and if you get it through the Kickstarter you get like lifetime access to the course so you don't have to like rush through it in like two months or whatever I've never seen Game Maker Studio before so it's like a sort of mock-up tool for game designers yeah it's it's you know it's low low res graphics type games but yeah um, you get to make a game and learn how to make games so video games video games yeah yeah so I thought some people might be interested in that. Okay. And I think the last one you starred that I didn't star is Fire of Eidolon. Yeah, I starred that because didn't you back it? I'm I'm really thinking about it. I haven't backed it yet. Oh no, it was your it was your tog pick. It was my tog pick, yeah. Which is a it's sort of like a dungeon crawling sixteen bit computer game. Sort of yeah. like a Final Fantasy type thing. You put tiles down and you move your characters around the dungeons yeah. and things like that. And um, I mean, just watch the video for this. If you like that era of computer games, mm. I mean, the box is styled to look like a SNES game. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, they're really heavily influenced by that. You've got, you know, the usual classes, Paladin, Rogue, Warrior, things like that, Wizard. Um, so, yeah, it's just you put a tile down that's got, like, entrances and exits mm. on the table and then you move your character around and you... I guess you have to... Uh, you, you procedurally generate your dungeon. You are, yeah, you're procedurally doing the generating apart from the, other than the computer. Yeah. So, yeah, that looks like good fun, and that's that's got two weeks left. I'm probably going to back that. Okay. More, more likely than not. Stay tuned. Yeah. For our next episode.
And last up is one I, I starred last night, which is Hero Master. And they are board game and RPG inspired greetings cards. Oh, okay. You can get the entire pack for like a few pounds. I don't know how much they are. Let me have a look at the reward levels. £11 for the full set of six cards. Or £19 for two packs. Or £36 for four packs. So I'm tempted to get one of those and then I send one to my dad for his birthday. Because he plays a lot of Warcraft. So. Don't spoil the surprise. He's not going to listen to this. I don't know. He's got no interest in board games at all. No, we do. Computer games too. We do. So that's our list of ones to watch. Um, we've got a little thing that we thought we'd talk about as well. Uh, yeah. Kickstarter related, which is um, the interesting saga of the Walking Dead board game. Yes. By Cryptozoic. The, the newest one, No Sanctuary. Yeah. I mean, if you've been on Kickstarter or been backing it or thinking about backing it, you probably would know already. But it 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 funded and then it defunded. Yeah, a lot of people were concerned about the timeline and the... Management the, the campaign and the management of the campaign and the, itself. The yeah. reward levels as well. Yeah, it's now refunded again. It has because um, Cryptozoic went away, went uh, and thought of some stuff. No, did they? Okay. And they've there's there's now uh, an extra reward level um, because previously it was you have your one dollar, then there was a forty dollar one, then after that it was one hundred and fifteen. Okay. So they've now inserted a seventy five dollar one. Um, however, looking at it last night, there's still, I think, 180 people who are still on the $1, whereas there's only sort of less than less than 20 who are backing at 75 yeah. I think the, the main complaint I saw was like the fact that people felt like that if the game barely funded and didn't hit any of the stretch goals that CryptoZoka put out for it, yeah. it would not be a complete game. Yeah, it wouldn't be worth it. Effectively, the stretch goals were there to put stuff in the game that should be there anyway. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, we're going to hit those anyway, so all these things will be in the game. But they were getting to a point where, actually, when people started realising it, they weren't going to hit those mm-hmm. those things. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just part of the evidence that people won't take any old nonsense, nonsense yeah, and that they do have a voice. And mm-hmm. so it obviously heard that voice and, and listened to it. Yeah. It has refunded now, so... Yeah. And I think it's finishing pretty soon. So uh, well, they got when I checked, they had three hundred thousand dollars, and their target was two fifty. Yeah. So they're you know they're above. Yeah. That, so they're going to fund presumably unless everyone drops to one dollar again. Yeah, it was just interesting how it it it, it got past two hundred and fifty, and then it dropped down, and now it's another fifty grand over two fifty. Yeah. So it's it's not like an insignificant swing; it's a pretty big swing in uh, terms of money. So that's Kickstarter Corner, over and done with. It's quite a long one this month. Yeah. So um, our topic of the month is not really a topic. It's an interview again. So we are here at The Great Indoors, and here with us is uh, Richard Denning, who's the guy who organises the UK Games Expo. Yep. And he's also the head of Medusa Games. Yep. And he designs games like Tinker Tailor and the one that you really liked. Nine Worlds. Nine Worlds, which we're hoping to get another play of later. Yep. Um, as we played it at the expo. So yeah, we'll be back in a moment and you'll get to hear from Richard having a chat with us. So we'll see you in a sec. Okay, so we're now sitting in the bar at the uh, 
Bromsgrove Rugby Club and we've been joined by Richard Denning, who many of you will know from Medusa Games and as the man behind the UK Games Expo. So hi Richard, thanks for joining us. Hello. Um, for those people who don't know you, do you want to just give everyone a brief introduction and tell us a bit about your gaming background? Um, well yes, I mean I, I sort of come from a, I was originally more of a wargaming background looking back in the day, some toy figures and things. Uh, but got more into board games in the sort of more the nineties, around the Settlers of Catan period when that came out, yeah. um, and then from that um, gradually got to the point of thinking, having been to many many war game shows around the country, it would be great if there was a more a board game convention like Germany has with yeah. Spiel but we haven't we didn't to that point have anything like that in the UK, so we launched that about ten years ago this year. Um, and from a board game design point of view, I'm to the Great Fire of London about uh, five years ago. And we've finally got around to making one or two more games in the last uh, last year or so. So we'll, we'll start with the expo then. Um, we're both fairly new inductees into the world of board games. So right. uh, last year we attended as uh, guests, this year we, we attended as press. But we found in, from this year going into the, the NEC was... A, big vast improvement from a, from an organisational point of view how much more difficult was that for you to well, yes I mean a huge huge jump really I mean there was a it's a completely different scale of magnitude doing a, doing an exhibition in the in the NEC compared to doing one in a well, what was a Masonic Lodge back in the day yeah. and then more recently the Hilton Hotel um, the Hilton Hotel and places like that you just um, map it yourself and generally speaking the, the, the hotels don't really mind too much providing you far enough away from the exits and yeah. things but doing map, map, mapping out any sort of thing for the NEC is an entirely different scale of having to learn so there's a massive learning curve just learning terms and you know, terminology yeah. and how they want things to be laid out and laying it out in you know, professional drawing programs rather than just you know something free off the internet yeah. and, and so on uh, so there's a lot to be learned about that a lot to be learned about I think that really caught us this year was electricity. You know, again in the Hilton, you just they just got their electricity in and wired people in. Now, doing proper electrical supplies in a in a in an exhibition hall is a much more complicated complicated yeah. arrangement. Uh, and if you don't get it right, then you can end up with a fairly large bill, which we did too. <laughs> and since we haven't mentioned any of this to the traders, we didn't feel that we could really pass it on to yeah. them, so we absorbed it this year, but we'll uh, try and get that better next year. Um, so there's a lot to be learned, yeah, an awful lot to be learned. So then all the marketing and publicity and yeah. trying to make it work in a big in a big venue, because you could take on, as we did originally, 7,000, maybe 10,000 square metres of space, and you could it could feel like a just a huge empty aircraft hangar if, if you're not if you're not careful, you don't get the sufficient numbers along, so um, I suppose the biggest work of all was that trying just to build the numbers up yeah. and get more along. Yeah. The so the first one I was reading because obviously this was the tenth anniversary, so there was a nice history of the expo in the uh, yeah. in the program. Um, what was it that got you to the point where you thought actually I do want to to start doing this and make it bigger than what it then just like in a hotel and having a few like well, I mean you, you didn't get many people that first year. The first you? year we had. Um, around 800 I think individuals okay. we were hoping 400 ish something like that we ended up with 800 which actually felt yeah. in that year was actually still fairly busy because you have to remember then that we only had about 1200 square metres as opposed to 15,000 square metres <laughs> this year if yeah. you include the Hilton um, so that was sufficiently busy for us to feel we, this could this could be more than this but it wasn't until about the 
fifth year of the expo, still back in the old Masonic uh, Lodge, um, as it was, uh, that we uh, it had grown to a point that we were using surrounding hotels for events and um, the place was full and we were having to turn away you know, traders and companies and things. Couldn't do all the events we wanted to do. But we were sort of kind of assuming that we'd bubble along like that because we didn't know if there was a, a way of making a jump to yeah. anything larger. And by chance that one year we had meetings with two sets of people. Larry Rosnai, who's the CEO of Mayfair Games, um, uh, happened to have an overnight stay in, in the, the UK that year and he was invited to the expo by... Uh, uh, by Heron Games, who used to be their representative in the UK, uh, retired now, but uh, so Keith invited them along and said, You just come and have a look at the show. And he basically said, um, You could make it a bigger event, so we will support it, we'll give you some you know, funds to help it ha- make it happen, uh, but you've got to make that gamble, that jump yourself. So yeah. we made that decision to make the jump to initially the Hilton and then ultimately, obviously, to the NEC. Um, and the same year, um, we had a meeting with the sort of uh, the bosses of his Deviant Games, which are the main distributors of games in the UK. And pretty similar message from them, really, sort of saying, oh, "We'll help, you know, the funding of it all, the you know, bringing you events and everything else." But again, it's ultimately you've got to make the gamble. Yeah. Are you going to are you going to go for it or not? And uh, that was the thing, the kick, the, the kick out the door thing. Okay, and we could have left it like that. We could have just carried on as a sort of, you know, fairly. Um, successful you know it was 3,000 people this size event maybe it was in those days um, quite fun really to do yeah. um, not that much organisation relatively speaking yeah um, but I think we decided that you know we would give it the go and see there wasn't anything in the UK like Jane Connors and Spiel and it wouldn't be great if we could make something like that you yeah. know and so yeah we made, that, we made that decision and we went for it and the community's really sort of uh, you know, gra- uh, grasp onto it really well. And yeah, they have. I mean, I think it really, it really helps. To be honest, though, you you can put things out there and sort of say, and you hope that it's going to get enthusiasm. But actually, you find there's got a lot of enthusiasm out there. So a lot of all the time, I think people do want to have a fun weekend. They want to come and see different games and so on, and, uh, and they want to have a go at all sorts of different ideas yeah. as well. So we've come up with some sort of crazy ideas like the live pandemic that we did this year and yeah. uh, dark room and things um, they sort of sell out occasions and uh, um, oh, that's great I think there's a, um, I think the idea is to try and do things that you can't really just do at home that easily or just a little little local gaming group you know the idea is try and yes obviously you want all the stuff that you do anyway and all the games and everything but you want to have the guests there and bring the publishers in and be showing the new games and things and, and then some unusual activities that you know people just want to have a go at that because it sounds like fun, you know. Yeah. Um, so. so let's uh, switch tack and talk about um, Medusa Games. Right. Yeah. So how did uh, how did you get started with with that first of all? Well, that was we were I was sort of in the early days of the expo um, when there was a bit more time. I <laughs> uh, I came up with an idea for a game based on the Great Fire of London. Um, it was a research at the time period anyway, and. Uh, thought oh, you know, there could be a game based on this and we, we actually invented it at what we call ferry con. so when we were driving to Essen each year mm-hmm. on the boat uh, individuals would bring game ideas along and you'd play it on the ferry so it's ferry con. and then uh, the first that's about ferry con, I think it was about 2008 we I'd come up with a, a scribbled out board and just bits of paper and what have you and as an idea of a game but it's, it, it sort of seemed to work pretty well from, from the start and so literally on that drive, that 12-hour drive to Essen and things, we pretty much designed the game. 
Um, and it took another couple of years after that. But the problem was the Great Fire came out in 2010. At that point, um, the I, I had an idea, I had other, other, other games sort of in the pipeline, but Expo then started to get bigger. Yeah. It wasn't that long after that, a year or two later, that this conversation happened and we made the move to the Hilton and everything else. So really Expo sort of took over and it made it difficult to get around to getting another, another game done. Uh, but we've reached the point now that uh, we're, we're starting to be able to afford to pay ourselves for a bit of time in the week to do the actual yeah. running of the show. So we don't, you know, we don't to, part of the time that we that we run the show in is actually paid for from the expo. And means I can come back a little bit the day job, as, it, yeah. as they say, which then means you think, okay, well maybe now I can do other things as well. And so getting a few designs finally out, finally together. Um, so um, last year I brought out a small card game called, called Tinker Tailor, which is sort of low on the radar really and uh, relatively sort of um, amateurish, but quite fun artwork for it. But um, actually a game that does well when people play it. Yeah. So usually when people play it, I sort of love that, you know, it's quite fun. But it's getting people to get on the table in the first place, we find. Um, but so that was, you know, so it's still there. And then the, the next game uh, we're working on now is Nine Worlds, which yeah. uh, will be out at Essen this year. Uh, that's the big, I suppose, the next big one because that's a full, full-blown, you know, card game, or board game rather. Uh, that's going to be a full surprise, you know, thirty-ish something quid sort of a board game. So that's obviously fairly, a fair big next step in terms of yeah. investment to to get things to that stage. Uh, but it's looking quite good. You know, they play it. They seem to they seem to quite enjoy it and. Uh, We'll, we'll see how that goes down and hopefully if it goes reasonably well then other pipeline, other ones will go in the pipeline yeah. we can then move on and, and get on to the next one and so on it's getting that sort of conveyor belt of things you yeah. know, moving through ideas prototypes to you know more advanced uh, and then finally into production it'll just take a while and so I mean how how the manufacturers that you work with for producing the games I mean I presume you have a good relationship with those but how do you get how do you get in, uh, in contact with them and you know well, they people that were recommended I mean the, the biggest manufacturer of board games in the world is Ludafax which is in Germany and most of the games that come out in Essen they'll make uh, not all of them but quite a large number yeah. of them um, uh, they, I think they produce some ridiculous number of about three, 300 new or 400 new games okay. of all the ones that come out in Essen and made by Ludafat. But obviously, there's a big Chinese um, yeah. um, chunk of, game, of, of production of games. Like Tinker Tailor, we got printed in, um, in China because it was really easy just to send in the files and get it done. Ludafat, I was aware that there was a more components and, and more sort of uh, conversations I need to have about sort of things that. I thought, you know, that's quite difficult, you know, with China and things. So we'll we'll, we'll go with a the more expensive, but yeah. perhaps um, you know, uh, slightly more reliable and easy. Well, perhaps even or just easy to to deal with, sort of German sort of uh, industry and things. So but they're the two. I mean, I think there's, there are others. There are others around, yeah. you know. Um, um, but uh, we get several that come to the, the expo every year. The German ones. And there's Treffel, of course, is a company in. Uh, Poland, um, which is a, another uh, another one that um, so there's you know sort of, you start really by just asking around the other the other publishers who do you use or yeah. can you recommend um, you can't get uh, prototypes of card games made in the UK so ivory cards are the based here in the UK will do um, you know games uh, but they do tend to be per unit a bit more expensive than, than getting it done certainly in, like, than in China yeah. you know, and, um, 
So, but there are a couple of there are a couple of companies that you can start off at least enough to sort of get a maybe a print run done. Sort of. You know, yeah, and at the prototyping stage, it's probably quicker turnaround. Yes, but you do there. There is that, and of course, you've got the advantage that you can always go and have a drive to a factory if you need to, or yeah. talk to people on the phone. So you've got to really just decide where. You know, of course, there's also. Uh, uh, Carter Mundy, uh, who are based here as well, they oh, make okay. quite a few of the card games. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, playtesting, how do you go around with that? Have you got, do you like tend to rope your family into. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> off to Scotland tomorrow morning and all these prototypes will be in the car. And, yeah, what I tend to do is we tend to come up with an idea. We'll usually play the first few games, first few attempts at it, just in a sort of family kind of uh, situation. Um, just to sort of feel is there a is there anything of a game here at all or do yeah. we need to radically alter it and then once we've done that stage I'll usually try and produce a slightly more developed um, prototype and take it to uh, I, I have a so I have actually a Monday night um, group that come around to my house to play games on Monday night so we sort of rotate between role playing and board games mostly so once in a while I'll say you know rather do that this uh, tonight yeah, yeah. I'll see how many go at this and uh, likewise at the club I go to um, in Birmingham every so often now, you know. But another way, another good thing for testing prototypes is, you know, this sort of occasion when there are. Yeah. Um, so obviously like places like the Expo, but also the other games conventions around the country. So we've taken Nine Worlds to Dragon Meat Compulsion, which is up in, um, up in Scotland, uh, and uh, to uh, Beer and Pretzels. Uh, so, you know... Um, Think you ideally you want to get it through lots of different different people having a go at it because yeah. someone will try something you've not expected at all um, and you can only really get that if enough minds have been thinking about yeah. it you know because um, it's very easy to get into a frame of mind that you know what a rule means and you know what a how a piece of text yeah. can read until someone else has read it and say you know this is I remember with Great Fire we had a, a rule in there which uh, we'd written out as well and we thought we understood it entirely and it meant that just three extra fire cones got added onto the board at certain intervals and we call it expanding the fire uh, but another reading of exactly the same text meant that three cones were added to every space on the board okay. uh, and suddenly you get like 30 extra cones whatever it was we're going and, and we had to sort of put an amendment up on board game yeah. geek and change that it'll ch- re- you know, change the text order around a bit so that it, re- it read exactly what we meant it to yeah so. we work in IT and it's like never underestimate the ability of someone to mess something up oh, completely yeah. Oh, yeah. same, yeah. same yeah. sort of thing um, let's just uh, before we finish up then let's just jump back to the expo um, this year was the, the Wyvern's Lair for the first time yeah. now we spoke to uh, Kevin from Inspiring Games who was one of the people who, who presented his game yes. at that yeah. um, how, from, the, from the publisher's point of view how, what sort of feedback did you get yeah, yeah they, they quite enjoyed it I mean I, I didn't actually run the Wyvern's Lair Mike Nick Pearson who's yeah. uh, um, one of the other chaps involved in the expo ran it um, we actually had 50 applications um, we thinned that down ourselves to a dozen because we knew we could only handle a dozen actually pitches on the day uh, through a process of actually going through all the all the pitches and then essentially voting a bit X Factor style. Yeah. Um, you know which ones of these and, uh, and if the ones that got all six of us voting for it were the first ones to go in. In fact, actually, I think it turned out there were, t- there were exactly twelve that had got six yeah. votes. But there were a number of others in there that were clearly pretty decent as well. Um, and so what we did is we we sent those publishers all of the pictures so they had a chance if they wanted to to look at the other ones yeah. 
I think the feedback from the, the publishers actually said they'd actually be quite they'd quite like to get involved at an earlier stage and actually help us do that shortlist sort of thing. So when we get the things sufficiently in advance, we may well do that next year. We might well sort of have a a bit of a shortlist yeah. stage and send them out and say choose so many each or something and uh, and go go from there. But I think they thought it was um, you know we, we, um, certainly worth doing. And I think there is I, I think one of the games they've already had three three offers from three separate publishers okay. so there's at least something's hopefully coming out of it yeah. I think uh, it's why I think we'll definitely do it again because I think it's, yeah. uh, it's something a bit sort of a bit different as I say you know trying to do things which are a bit unique at times and uh, giving people an opportunity you know because there's a great game out there that just needs some publishers to take yeah. it forward so. I mean a lot of Kickstarter is a big thing these days but obviously Sometimes you need a proper publisher behind you. Yes, I think so. I mean, um, production qualities, I think, are. I mean, once you go to Essen, it's obvious that to make any dent at all in the, you know, the, the vastness of games that come out there, you've got to, you've got to have things that are really quite a, yeah. quite a level of quality. Um, I don't know from Tinker Taylor and say the art was uh, okay, quite quite good for a for a fun sort of game for maybe a prototype level, but actually to get to get attention on a shelf when there are a hundred of the games next to it or something yeah. you've got it's got to be something striking you know uh, one way or another okay so uh, what's next I guess is the last question for you, for both Medusa Games and the Expo well I suppose the Expo is back next year the uh, second the fourth of June I think is the, the, the weekend we are looking at taking all of Hall 1 now for the this year we had uh, 10,000 out of the 14,000 square metres and we sort of ward off the rest I think the expectation is we'll probably need to, to fill all of it with, with, that, uh, with trade we'll probably move out the uh, seminar room because that was a bit too noisy in the corner of the of the, yeah. uh, the hall so we're going to move that into a separate you know, separate room um, but we're probably needing to add up more open gaming space and tournament space somewhere because um, the Hilton's just running out of room yeah. um, in fact unfortunately we, we, we clash with a sort of the Masonic Ladies Women's Institute annual dinner okay. uh, which happens to happen on the first Saturday of uh, June every year uh, for the last couple of years we've been in May so we haven't been clashed this year they managed to actually persuade them to, to, to not be on the same weekend oh, well, okay. but now we've got I think two or three more uh, weekends uh, the next few years where we're going to clash with this event yeah. and they're going to take all the basically entire monarch wing off the of the hotel so we're looking at thinking well actually to be honest with you we've already outstretched the limits of what that hotel so we still need it absolutely we need the rooms we need we need open gaming space but we've got to go beyond that mm-hmm. so what we're, this wedding week we had a meeting with the NEC and, and the local hotels as a kind of collective uh, to try and get them to come together and maybe have a um Series of hotels that have open gaming space that we can we can promote in yeah. the evening. So, in the Plaza Hotel and other ones. Um, and but I think you know, our feeling is that we're going to probably have to use part of the NEC to provide some of the open gaming space into the evening a bit when the trade hall closes. Yeah, uh, we're hoping to use Hall Two for that. But next year, the Hall Two has been locked out for like a six-month contract or something. Okay. But I think beyond that, is available. So our idea will be that's not adjacent to Hall 1 you can just go through into it close the shutters down and carry on into the evening and then people can either go back to their hotels or they can carry on gaming there until they want to go back to their hotels and if there's food and and drinks there that'll probably suit quite a lot of people and hopefully allow us to you know 
because I think a lot of people have told us they come to the show yes they want to see the publishers and the games but they really want to be able to play games until the wee small hours and things and it was obvious that the Hilton is now at that point that it can't it can't cope with all the, the demand for yeah. open gaming space so we're going to use it because it's still our biggest amount of exhibition space within a hotel in the area but perhaps we need a room or two at the plaza and the Gentian's hotel and the Ibis yeah. and the whatever and if we can do deals with them to we fill their rooms and they give us space for people to play games in well, then everyone's, everyone's happy aren't they and, yeah. uh, and I think it's doing that it's trying to make sure there's enough capacity for for people to you know, play games when the, when the halls close at night um, which that's, the, so that's our biggest sort of challenge as for producer, well, we'll see what happens after after Nine Worlds comes out. So, you know, the prototypes which we're developing will hopefully get something else fairly advanced level by by Expo next year. Okay. Well, cool. We look forward to all that, and uh, yeah, so we look forward to getting Nine Worlds. You're going to pre-order it, aren't you? Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and um, again, we look forward to UKG next year. So, thanks for taking a bit of your time okay. to talk to us. Great. Okay. Thank you. No problem. So thanks, Richard, for spending some time with us. And uh, that's it for this episode. Yep. So um, you all know what comes next, the usual. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Toddcast. And you can find us on Facebook. Just look for the Offline Gamer. Yep. Or you can visit us at our website, which is www.offlinegamer.co.uk, where you can listen to all of our podcasts, view all our videos, read all our blogs. You can also go to soundcloud.com forward slash offline gamer or search iTunes for the offline gamer if you don't want to go to our site. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, just drop us an email, offline gamer podcast at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website. Uh, or you can leave us a comment on any of the pages on our site as Kirk the Flag Dash Man did. Yeah. If you want to uh, you know if you like what we're doing. Yeah sure or, or do. tweet us. Or, or tweet whatever. us, yeah. We like getting tweets. Yeah. So that's it. We'll see you in um, a month for our one year anniversary. anniversary. So yeah, thanks very much for listening. Bye. Uh, yeah. No. Sorry, sorry if the <laughs> sound quality was not quite as good as usual. But as I say, we are outdoors. Yeah. So. Never mind. Let's try that again. Bye. Bye.